What's up, Gruntworks Nation? The Big Earl is always asking, why is China hoarding food? Experts say that China is hoarding a massive amount of food. They will soon have over two-thirds of the globe's corn reserves, over half of its rice, and over half of its wheat. But when asked about it, China lies. One China expert says they, of course, will never admit to something like that. Well, what does China know that we don't? When it comes to global food shortages, China is the canary in the coal mine. You see, China is the world's number one food importer. They rely on the rest of the world to keep their people fed. So they can't afford to mess up. Or there will be riots, civil panic, or even worse, when over a billion people can't eat. What does this mean for Americans like you and me? Two words, food shortages. That's why it's a smart idea to stock up on a kit of best-selling Four Patriots survival food. Create your own stockpile of the best-selling Four Patriots survival food kits. Hand-packed in the USA. The kits are compact and stack easily. They have different delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners. And their five-star reviews on the website rave about the flavor and the taste. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase of Four Patriots survival food by typing in the code BTTGW at checkout. Just go to fourpatriots.com and use the code BTTGW to get 10% off your first purchase of Four Patriots Survival Food. That's fourpatriots.com. Use the code BTTGW. Hey, what's up, Trash Talkers? Listen, it's impossible to fight, okay, if you don't know what you're fighting for. Does that make sense? Like, if you're in the dumps and you're, you know, you're struggling with mental health, things of that nature, it's going to continue tearing you down, all right? Because you're consistently trying to fight something, which is that demon, which is usually something from the past, right? Maybe that why needs to be fighting for your future. Let that be your why. Get the hell up and start fighting for your future. Stop fighting things that happened in the past. Easier said than done, right? Go seek help. It's okay not to be okay. A lot of people need to hear this. You are more of a warrior and a fighter if you stand up and say, hey, this has to stop. I need to go seek help. The stigma, everything has changed. It's okay not to be okay here is a firm believer in all men are created equal, but not all men live equal. That is why there's a certain select number of people in the DOD who decided to jump out of airplanes. And yes, we are better than you, 100%. Now, don't be the first triggered pansy to say, well, airborne's not relevant. You haven't jumped since World War II. Well, that's not accurate for one. And two, it's like having a jalopy or a 68 Mustang. Well, a 68 Mustang's no longer relevant. Doesn't matter. It's still a better car than yours. So take it easy this National Airborne Day and just accept that we are better than you. So two things for today's Honesty Cap. First thing, how do all my boys from the 101st feel knowing that the Army decided that instead of actually making you airborne, they would just create a whole new division that's airborne because you just aren't cutting it? It sucks. Thing number two, for all the folks who were like, oh, airborne is the biggest 
irrelevant, doesn't even matter. They're making a whole new division of just airborne people because they're relevant. Think about that. How does that feel? Does it hurt a little bit? I hope it hurts a little bit. This is the Veteran Trash Talk Hour, hosted by Nick, Dave, and Buddy. Real warriors making fun of other real warriors. Try to not get triggered. <laughs> What is up, everybody? Welcome to episode 141 of the Trash Talk Hour. Special guest today is Kim K.C. Campbell, Colonel, U.S. Air Force, retired, and author of Flying in the Face of Fear. And today I'm joined by BTT's Voice of Reasoning, the Big Earl, it, and yeah. Buddy. Happy Dave's Saturday. Cheap, Dave's cheap-ass camera you, couldn't get it. It looks like this. Well, green screen well, screwed it up. I will hold it up again later. I was going to hold it up. We'll hold it up. As, 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 my, 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 my damn green screen, huh? Your wife for more money. Yeah. She makes all of it. <laughs> Great yeah. job. Yeah. You're an idiot. <laughs> By the way, roll tide. Roll tide. So you know. Yeah. Roll tide. Roll tide. Hey, somebody's watching on YouTube. Woo! That's like one. All right. I think we got like one or two. But hey, thanks, uh, U.S. Army Combat Medic. All right. Nice. What's everybody doing today? It feels like it's been a while. We had the holidays last week, so we didn't do a show. And then uh, the week prior, Nick was golfing. Are we so, just not gonna? Cool. Are you just not gonna talk about the fact that that Latho's on on today too? Yeah, nothing. No introduction. Not even gonna acknowledge uh, I introduced her. I said Letha, the voice of reasoning, is on the show. Uh, but that's, that's not my name. Guys, I mean everybody. It, it's First not. All, it's not male or female. Hey, the guy that speaks yeah. three languages doesn't speak one. Not a single yeah, one. Oh, yeah, they get yeah. one right. Uh, yeah. You yeah. said yeah. my yeah. name wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's because he's, he's, he's reason, not reasoning. Well, yeah, it, well, there, and he also, uh, you, you gotta, yeah. gotta be all right. He speaks, he speaks Italian, German, and English. None of them fluently. <laughs> Zero of them correctly. <laughs> We've, we figured that out. Hey, right. Welcome to the dumpster. Way to kickstart the dumpster. The only thing he yeah. speaks yeah. fluently <laughs> is like ordering food in Italian, German, and English. Yes. No, you can no. tell, you can tell you take him to Olive Garden, you're set. Not even fit. Yeah. So. Prime Italian restaurant, the Olive Garden. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Everybody knows it. Hey, don't sleep Everybody on that uh, never-ending pasta bowl now. <laughs> that got to look good. You get all the, you get meat too if you want meatballs. I'm just saying. I've been no, there. the pasta the salad, though, okay. soup is the better one. You think sure. so? Yeah, I like their soup. Yeah. I can't even remember the last time I went to Olive Garden. Same. Oh, listen to you, bougie. Yeah. Approximately <laughs> one month ago, I went there yeah. for the first time in a long time. I uh, I went there. to Olive Garden, and it was everything that I remember it being. Did you I buy one of those giant things of wine, the Rossi wine, it, for three dollars and fifty cents? You know, uh, you know, you yeah. know how bread is good too. The bread is good too. The bread is there's, good. There's two ways you know that I grew up poor. One is I love barbecue sauce on everything. I put it on whatever. The other thing is that if we're going, if we're going out someplace nice, the Olive Garden is on the table. That could be where we end up. We get a tour of Italy, just in one plate. 
Oh, well, you're you're the bougie one, buddy. You're the one who's always traveling overseas. Yeah, now, you're you out in France. Yeah. You're giving me well, shit, well, man. Not, Come on. I'm not poor anymore. I, I've been saying I grew up poor. <laughs> just because I'm from these streets, don't mean I don't know what gravel tastes like anymore. Like I know, I know how to get some summer feet. Listen to that accent now that Alabama's playing. It's it's thick. It is yeah. out there. It's there. So. It gets there. It, you're lucky that my cousin's not on here. We yeah. You wouldn't be able to understand. It sounded like Boomhauer. And also, your brother-in-law. Uh, <laughs> this brother, actually. cousin, and my brother. That's how it works. Oh man! Are you going to introduce the show, Dave? Or are we just going to? I mean, what are we going to talk about? Olive Garden. We were just, yeah, we were just bullshitting for a second. Yeah, yeah but we um, all right, stuff. let's um, let's jump into. I was gonna. I actually was gonna look up UAPs and UFOs since we have a pilot on the show, and I wanted to get her take, but. We fly way too low for that. Oh, okay. Hey, look yeah. at, hey, Jenny. Jenny Simmons says Olive Garden is the best. Trumped. Boom. Jen, True. But do. um, we'll kind of skip that. And uh, Buddy had mentioned last week or the week prior that you know covers some military stuff. So the PT test and stuff, we're going to cover that at some point. But today, I want to cover the letters that went out to all the military members uh, a couple of weeks ago that got discharged because due to uh, refusing the COVID vaccine. So Chris, go ahead and play that video real quick. Real quick. And then, uh, and then uh, we're going to There's no, no audio. audio. Chris, you're Chris, Confirms all it. service members, active duty and guard and reserve to get the COVID vaccine. The U.S. Army facing repercussions of its COVID era policy. It says its cuts over vaccine mandates have weakened the size of its force and are now calling on them to come on back to service. The United States Army has sent out apology letters to the soldiers that had previously kicked out for refusing to get the COVID-19 vaccination. And when I say it's soldiers, I do not mean all of them. So what I've done is I've filled out a Freedom of Information Act request. I guess you've got 30 days to get back to me. I hope you don't blow me off. You see, over 8,000 troops were kicked out for not getting the vaccine back when it was mandated from August 2021 to December 2022. And there were going to be a lot more people kicked out, but then it got the kibosh and... December 23rd, 2022. And trust me, there were a lot more people on the chopping block. I was one of them, along with everybody else who filled out a religious exemption, which by the way, were getting blanket denied and troops were suing the federal government, specifically the Biden administration to say, hey, you have to respect our religious freedoms. You can't just blanket deny religious exemptions. But even though the DOD kiboshed the mandates it well the damage was already done a bunch of troops were already kicked out and a bunch of people had a bad taste in their mouth and that's led the dod into the mess that it's in now where all the branches have noticed a deficit in recruiting since the mandates but with the mandates gone the dod now wants those soldiers that it previously kicked out uh, to come right back in bring them back into the fo pentagon God, Chris, that yeah. was terrible. This is on yeah. it today, guys. He is Chris, doing it. Chris is on it. He was on it last show. Um, but yeah, so like, yeah, those letters got sent out. I kind of want to get everybody's take on their opinions on, and this could obviously be a two-hour discussion on, you know, the vaccine mandates and all, but, you know, yeah, how the military is handling it. Yeah, how, how the military is handling it right now. Um, in my opinion, it was pretty messed up because a lot of those soldiers that got out, they got dishonorable discharge and everything. So, you know, now they're, 
at least being provided the opportunity to change your discharge so they can get their benefits back like the GI Bill and stuff. But I think it was just a botched operation from the jump. You know, I'm not an anti-vaxxer. And I mean, we've all had plenty of shots. They're, they're, you know, they are beneficial. But I do think we jumped the gun on the COVID vaccine and moved a little too quick. And I mean, we saw all these battalions that were suddenly firing people and like before DOD had ever put it out. I mean, it was just, it was just a huge mess up from the top. And, uh, you know, I don't know if we're ever going to get any clarity. It's about 8,400 soldiers that were dismissed or that were kicked out of the military. So uh, we'll see what happens. I just think it was fucked up from the jump. And uh, yeah, at least we're enabling them to change their discharge. So that's like the one positive thing that I'll take from that. Everything else is messed up from the jump and it required more research in my opinion. But Kim, what's your take on this? You know, I've had um, several vaccines that uh, none of them, none of them were ones that I necessarily wanted. Um, so I've, you know, been there, done that. Um, but I think the problem is when we discharge anybody right away, um, as you know, leaving the military requires time and energy and it yep. just requires some time for you to think through the transition. And so it's pretty stressful to be, you know, have that happen so quickly. So that certainly is something that we need to watch out for because now we have veterans that are out that weren't planning to be out. Uh, and it Correct. just, it creates stress. It creates a lot of the problems that we see with veterans uh, once they do get discharged. I think to me, that's the biggest concern is how do we take care of them now? Yeah, I would agree 100%. I think that was yeah. the issue, discharging them with, you know, other honorable conditions and stuff like that, um, taking away the GI Bill, you know, things of that nature. And then when they're when they told these soldiers, you're out 90 days later, they were on, they were done. So now we're talking about soldiers with families and everything. Yeah, definitely. That 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 part is, is, is the most corrupt part, in my opinion. But BTT's voice of reasoning or reason. Well, how do you want it? <laughs> It's voice of reason. <laughs> that's what it's called. that up. It's not even a saying. Voice of reasoning. That's not even. <laughs> Good job, buddy. Good job. I'm just trying to entertain you right now. Go ahead. I think the, uh, they should have. If they let them go, it should have been with honorable. I don't think that should have been dishonorable or other than honorable because that eliminates so many jobs they could have got on the outside. They kind of messed them up. Yeah, that is true. That is a good point. And I got vaccines that are classified that I still don't know what they were. We'll see mm. what happens. It was the Asian bird flu. It, so was, I got the no, Asian bird flu vaccine. That one was, was solid. It's probably an anthrax, a variant of anthrax or something. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Okay. All right. Buddy, what's your take? Well, I, I personally think that it's a, it's a, I mean, you, like you said before, we can spend two hours talking about this, right? Yeah, for but sure. I know a lot of people that got kicked out because of it in fifth group. Um, uh, and, and and they come from all gamuts of the, the military, right? There's yeah. There are junior officers that got kicked out. Maybe they're not that bad off. They, they have a, uh, a college degree. They have, you know, the, and they haven't invested a lot of time in the military. There were... Uh, senior officers that couldn't get kicked out like they, they couldn't afford they had to get the vaccine um because they had just too much time invested right um there were junior enlisted men uh, or enlisted people that got kicked out um and same with them they had less time invested but i know of you know i had a, a buddy that um was a, a, a team sergeant in fifth group that got forced out um and we're talking about a guy that has 
you know, this guy had 15 kids. Five of them were his kids. Ten of them were babies that he and his wife uh, adopted because they had uh, like prenatal uh, drug addictions and things like that. Right. Great dude. His wife was was uh, working on her doctorate. He had his master's degree. There's a, a little a little firefight that happened between uh, the the Russian contractors and uh, American special forces you might have heard of that lasted. Yeah, yeah, we were about that. He was the team sergeant of that team, um, and Damn. he got kicked out. Great dude, and he's a he was if you were to like an all around really just great person, personal life, military life family life everything he was a great dude got kicked out and we're talking about a guy that had years and years and years invested and if 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 people feel so strongly about something that they're willing to give that up because they don't want to do what your tone would do it's the government's job it's your boss's job to inform you or sell you on what they're doing so this i, I think to be honest the whole covid vaccine the whole deal from the jump was not was not advertised well it wasn't sold well it was divisive at every every you know the information that was put out was conflicting um mm -hmm. there was so much that was wrong with it right i mean from my understanding it's not mandatory at all anymore you know like it, no, so that, that, that in itself is, is just you know like what the yeah. fuck like oh, well here's the, guys you well, know? here's the other problem here's my the bad. other problem we <laughs> in the military and it doesn't matter what branch of military you're in in the military we use words like loyalty and honor and respect yeah. and personal sacrifice well like loyalty that goes both ways you want yes. these people to be loyal to the army. You want them to be loyal to the air force. But and you DOD, want the ones in, in charge DOD, of you to be loyal to you. But the DOD is yeah. not. It yeah. doesn't 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 sh share that same loyalty when yeah. it doesn't suit them. When they need people, you got face tattoos and neck tattoos and three felonies. You can join the army if it's two thousand and seven, right? But after that, it's the you gotta you gotta do something else. You gotta get out. You gotta do whatever, which is semi understandable, right? Like we 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 have a there's a standard. Anyway, that's a, a whole different discussion. But with this, I think that the DoD did a very poor job of showing loyalty to people. They 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 didn't, especially when it came to like the the religious waivers. When it came to standing by people that had actual moral convictions. If you want somebody mm -hmm. in the military, you want somebody that's going to stand up for what's right. That's what we tell people all the time. Stand up for what's right. Do the right thing. If these people are doing what they think is the right thing and you're crushing them, and then there are people that are going out and getting like, if, if we're going to act like there aren't the same amount of people that got kicked out or more that have fake vaccine cards so they can show people so they can get around the system that state got to stay in. And then you have other people that are showing personal courage, honor, loyalty, all of that. And they're the ones that are getting punished for it. I think that that, that sets a precedent that's wrong to say that, to say that 
the DOD's recruitment has been hurt by this in particular, I think is also way off the mark. It's not this that's hurt their recruitment. There it are a lot. Did, it, there are, it definitely it, it played a help. huge role, buddy. It, it didn't I, I help. Mean, I could, there quick, are a lot of experience. You, can, you can have a discussion for, again, hours on yeah, all yeah. of the different things that hurt recruitment. Yeah, in totality, um, that's that's just one it, of the things. Yeah, for that sure. Is just, for sure. It's one small Jenga block in the in the whole game of of Jenga, right? Um, so you can't really, you know, this isn't the thing, right? Not the one thing, right? Right. It's part of a thing, you know. Um, but like, you know, if, if you watch that whole video, the thing that he points out is is there are a lot of things that the military or DOD could have done that are the right thing to do that would show loyalty to people. Like the mandate is done. They're saying that you can apply to get your mm -hmm. discharge changed from a dishonorable, which and who knows how long that's going to take. Why, why, don't you just give, make why are we giving other than honorable exactly. discharges? Exactly. We're doing the right, exactly. doing what you feel is right. A general, I can go with a general. I can get behind a general discharge. You know, you're not doing what yeah, we let, let me get my benefits. Yeah. You know, that's at yeah. least somewhere neutral, but yeah. other than honorable, can't get behind that. But if if that thing that you got an other and honorable is no longer a thing anymore, why do you have to apply? You're telling me right. that the, the military's HR can't just Yep. No, no, there's Here's a letter in the mail. Yeah, your discharge yeah. has been changed, right? And then you gotta apply, oh. and then who knows how long that takes, right? Well, the army's been yeah, trying to like unveil this year and and say for like yeah. seven years now, and they still can't. Yeah, and, 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 so you know, I'm not gonna put too much trust into <laughs> yeah, We're not we're not we're not too many years away from the commercials that are gonna be on every time you turn on the internet or the TV. We're like, Well, you could go to the army and have Camp Lejeune for bad water and COVID. Well, Contact us for this lawsuit for eight billion dollars that we're going to sue the. You know what I mean? So those people, if if they do join the army again, or join the military again, I go, oh, no harm, no foul. I'll come back. You know, kind of like the the, yeah. the abusive stepdad thing. Like, oh, you just hit me because I didn't eat my green beans, and they come back. Well, they're no longer going to be able to 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 join into that. What is going to be a class action lawsuit? against the the department of defense so it's a it's a big it's a it's a very complex problem um mm -hmm. that i think should be i think we ought to go back and and do a, a a really good aar about how you deal with these situations so that when they come up again in the future we don't do the same things over and over and over again because we keep doing the same things over and over and over again and that's, that's the definition of insanity yeah well that's why we have an yeah. issue with recruiting it's because we're not learning any lessons the things that yeah. you know as a as a as a, a specialist or an e6 <clears throat> you're told do aar so that you can learn these lessons at the top we're not really doing any aars that are of any real consequence that are honest we're doing AARs to placate people and make them feel better about the decisions that they've made and nothing of substance is coming from them. So I think that's probably where we need to, what we, what needs to happen. Good but, take, buddy. Well, what do I know? I'm <laughs> yeah. kind of an idiot. I'm, I'm yeah. retarded. Most You're from Alabama. Yeah, 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 yeah. You have, a, you have no, an accent. You're not smart. 
but uh, yeah. yeah. So is it my turn? I was waiting. I don't know you guys. Yeah, hey girl, it's your turn, yeah, buddy. Yeah, again, like you know, I, I always go last because I am the one that is probably the most accurate and uh, correct uh, when we when we come into these things. But uh, now I was, I might as well just turn this into the book of Earl because it kind of, I'll just turn it into it. Um, you know, I, I'm going to reference uh, Carol Dweck uh, because obviously uh, Kim does in her book, and I've used that. I've used her book pretty much to start this company, right? Um, when I was going through it, and it, it reminded me of like what what Kim said about you know we got veterans that are now all of a sudden veterans that didn't plan on being veterans. Uh, what are we going to do? Mm-hmm. We've always talked about this on the show before, but when the co- all these COVID things started happening, and they were making these you know knee jerk reaction, you know stupid group thinking policies, you know, they stopped all of our pain management, all of our physical therapy, right? We were doing phone appointments and I'm like, yeah, the phone appointments really going to help the fact that I, you know, was wounded twice, you know, or wounded three Mm -hmm. times or wounded once. Yeah. That's what, yeah. Oh, you want me to do planks? Is that what you want me to do right now? You know, it's like, oh, thanks a lot. You know? And so I, we knew uh, when I called Dave and then we brought buddy was obviously going to say yes right away that there was going to be a big problem here coming soon. And part of the reason we started Veteran Trash Talk was there are going to be veterans that are going to need us. Uh, and in with social media and Facebook and YouTube, there is absolutely zero reason for a veteran to be alone. Mm-hmm. Right there. I mean, they're yeah. on there. They're, they're chatting. And we don't know the we, I don't know every answer. Letha doesn't know every answer. Kim doesn't know every answer. But I might have the answer for somebody if the group if the community is big enough. Right. When somebody comes in and says, hey, I'm dealing with this. Hey, man, let me message you real quick. All right. I I dealt with this as well. Right. And we always tell people that. So if you're watching and you're watching for the first time, join VTT official and veteran trash talk, because you might you don't have to say anything. You might not say anything for two years. And all of a sudden someone's going to make a post. You're going to be like, I know exactly what that person is going. Right. And then maybe you can help. All right. If not, just let somebody else know that they're not alone, even if you can't help. Them. Right. So, uh, yeah, bringing up, the, you know, Dr. Dweck and, you know, the mindset book is she talks about, you know, the linear language of the West and how this is the reason for that. And like I said, obviously, the COVID shot isn't the reason recruitment's down, like you guys started to argue a little bit about there. But it's part of the whole complex system of recruiting the things that need to come into place for the mission to come together. Right. And it's okay to have failures in spots. It's okay to have holes in spots. Right. But we have to be able to think as a complex system, right. To where, you know, what I'm doing today might not mean anything for right now, but it could mean a lot for three years down the road for a lot of other people. And this is where the book of Earl comes in. And again, Kim, I don't know if you've paid attention to the Book of Earl before. It's like scripture, except better, right? So uh, uh, this one comes from, uh, I think it's like chapter 4, verse 7 in the Book of Earl, to where the instant gratification can really, really hurt an organization, right? When Or a company, wherever you are, a you. Or you personally as a person. (laughs) Right. You're chasing instant gratification yeah go ahead but i've said this before on the show that everybody likes instant gratification the people that like instant gratification none of us would be okay like every, every everybody loves it okay 
but now with social media and our younger generation, it's like you literally, I have to, you know, coach my daughters into like, it's okay that I don't even give them social media for the most part. Like they can use it for sports and for school, but it's like, I didn't get enough likes on my picture. You know, like, what? What are you worried about? Like put your phone away and you don't have to worry about likes, right? Like go outside and play and then all that goes away, right? Um, but yeah, that instant gratification. And I'm running into this. Those of you, those of you that have been watching a while know that I got I got really lucky and hooked up with an awesome job to where I get to go facilitate suicide prevention training and sexual assault harassment training uh, using utilizing virtual reality. Uh, and it's super awesome. Like I said, I was just at the Air Force Academy doing it. I've been, you know, just at Fort Lewis, uh, other bases. And it's amazing to me that I still you'll see the younger leaders. And when we were talking to Troxel about this, um, you have to be very careful with leaders that are probably about right about the field grade level now. All right. And then, you know, first sergeant level, uh, E7, E8, is they're part of that generation Y instant gratification. Right. So if you tell them as a senior leader to do something, you better believe they're going to act real. They're going to execute. Yeah. Real fast. OK, so part of that is that goes into the COVID thing like, oh, we better do something right now to make ourselves look really freaking good. I know. Kick everybody out. That'd be a make great ourselves idea. Look good. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Make ourselves look good. We got to <laughs> do it. You know, and without without thinking about the complex system of what you might be screwing up. Right, you might be really hurting recruiters two months, three months, three years down the road. So mm -hmm. yeah, with so real quick to end this, so we can get uh, get on with our lives, is I st I'm hearing some of these younger leaders. Now I say I'm younger because now I'm old, but like the younger leaders is, well, if we build a new you know prevention module, we won't even see it by the time it's done. So. Like, so what? Should we stop, like, improving anything like, because it might take six months and you might be taking a command somewhere else? Like, and I, are you not going to stay in the DOD for another 10 years? You're going to get the soldiers that benefited from that. You're going to get the service members that benefited from that. And you had the ability to do it. But right away, your first thought was, I'm not going to see that. Because you're thinking very linear. You are going to see it. Five years later, when you're now a brigade commander, right? Yeah, the company commander, yeah, I ain't going to see nothing. But as a brigade commander, you're going to start getting, all of a sudden, you're going to have some squared away troops that know how to do certain things because you built it, right? And I, I, like I said, that would be a good segue. I don't know if you guys want to have a take on that with the Book of Earl, but uh, we're getting towards that half hour mark. But anybody got anything to say about that? Like that instant gratification? Maybe, maybe Letha or uh, Kim? Uh, I teach first grade as a teacher and uh, it is a thing. It's a different kind of mindset. Kids well, don't know how to just sit and have patience and learn. Yeah, I mean, I, I see it with my kids too. I have an 11 year old yeah. and a 15 year old and um, there's social media it can be a powerful thing. It can be a really good thing in terms of what we do with veterans and connecting people. Um, but it can all, there's a lot of damage that can be done with it as well. And so it's just, it's one of those things that as a parent, it scares me. It's one of those things that I'm trying to monitor as best as I can, but sometimes I feel like I don't really know what I'm doing and they can outsmart me or outthink me on the social media. Um, but I think it's important. It's, it's important to teach the kids the, the good and the bad of it. 
um, and to have their own opinions and not to be so easily swayed by what other people think or say to like come up with their own opinions. Like everything that we were just talking about, right? Listen to it. Don't immediately judge because of something somebody said, like dig a little deeper, find out on your own. What are the rules? What What's happened? What's, what are the facts that don't necessarily come from social media, which is another problem because sometimes that's where they get their news and that's where they get their facts. But it's trying to- If it was to, on TikTok, it's real. It's true. It's, real. Uh, it's, it's trying to get yeah. them to be critical thinkers um, when everything is presented easy format for them in that yeah. instant, instant gratification. Yes, it's need to think. Why is somebody as far as that goes with like the uh, with the COVID thing too? You have to you have to think that there's also an ego. There's an ego that's in there too. You know what I mean? Like the people that came up with those, like let's go ahead and kick these guys out. They're not Generation Y people. Like uh, General Austin was my brigade commander when I joined the army. I met General Austin. I used to love that guy. Yeah, yeah. I've I've watched that guy legitimately. I I watched him and Sergeant Major Thorpe walk across the Mount City at JRTC to fist fight some dudes from the the uh, old guard who took the 82nd flag down after we took the city. Like, but the guy is. it's just it's 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 a big uh, it's a big open a can of worms, buddy. We're not going yeah. yeah. to be able to get to the end of. It. I have a whole list of yeah, questions, we are, we are. guys. I don't usually write down questions, but I'm like, sub, like, no, but the key like, in that was used to be, you know, and, and, and I think Nick hit on that earlier is like the, the part that rises at the top. And it, well, it's just like they change, you know, yep. and it's shitty. Yep. And, and again, I'll, I'll, I'll close on They're this chasing that next pay grade and everything, and they'll do whatever it takes to, to get there, you know? And, and, you know, what I'm talking to, you know, when I influence for, uh, you know, DOD, you know, to sell it to DOD, I'm like, hey, look, you're going to find some commanders that want to look really, really good, and you're going to find some commanders mm-hmm. that are that want to look good but are also further troops. And I go, those are the heroes we're looking for. I go, otherwise you have to tailor it. And I'm sure Kim will have some on this when, she can, when we get into the, the guest part of it about that because of her experience as well. Um, but, yeah, I, I normally introduce the guest. All right. It, I, but we're going to allow the voice of reason. Reasoning. Thank you. No, thank you for saying my name right. We're going to allow the voice of You're reason. Welcome. All right. And th- those Look, I had to ignite the dumpster fire, okay? Right. I had and to ignite those, the dumpster fire. Those, and that those, was 100% achieved the first two minutes of the show. So everybody that's watching, you're welcome. Yeah, we got, got we got also got Cliff commenting. Uh, you know, he's uh, he's obviously was super excited about this show, our mental health warrior. Uh, he's all about balance and being a parent. He's on his way to Italy. Yeah, he's on his way to Italy on the 11th. I'm actually going to see him in D.C. next week. It's going to be awesome. Nice. Uh, and nice. – uh, and there are there are me first leaders and there are mission first leaders. There you go, KG, another guest of ours. Uh, but okay, um, let's get into it. I was going to introduce Kim if Lita couldn't. Make it. just got somebody, triggered again. <laughs> as somebody who watched Top Gun and then didn't realize that they had joined the Air Force and was not flying an F fourteen, and it's like, where is the aircraft carrier? And she was duped. But I am not going to introduce her that way because Letha is going to introduce her. All right, take it away. Thanks. Um... So Kim, as on the talk about social media, how do you feel about having your own Wikipedia page? 
Uh, you know, it's interesting because people put stuff out there and it's not, there's not, it's not always true, right? Like everything you read isn't always true. So, and I don't, I don't have access to correct it. So I gotta, I gotta figure that out, but you know, it is what it is. It's, it's all part of the, it's all part of the process, I guess. Well, you're famous, right? Your kids like, oh, wow, my mom's famous. Yeah. You know, it, my kids, I try to like shield them from like a lot of the yeah. stuff. I didn't talk to them a lot about the, some of the stories and experiences yeah. that I've had. And then I forget at what point my older son was like, mom, I Googled your name. And he was like, did all this stuff happen in Iraq? And I was like, I guess I'd need to start talking about it uh, and sharing it with them. You can only shield well, them for so long. You're only yeah. 10, but here's some bourbon. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I think the guys like having having you on because the, all the every time I talk to anybody in the army, they said the best thing about the air force is the sound the A ten makes. <laughs> so I'd love yeah. to hear about your experience, uh, almost getting shot down in a landing. That was pretty cool. My husband's a private pilot, so we were talking about it. It's pretty awesome. That was my favorite part of the book, just like the way it was written and like holy yeah. cow, like the. Go ahead. But the stress you were going through, everything that was amazing. You flew by the seat of your pants. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's in the A-10. There's nobody else there that's going to take care of you but yourself. So, I mean, yes, we have wingmen. We fly with wingmen, but uh, single-seat airplane. So, you know, it's weird. There are things in life, like, you never imagine that will happen to you. Like, you know there it's in the realm of possible, but, like, getting hit over Baghdad with a surface to air missile was not something that I ever thought would happen. I think part of it is, you know, we think we're invincible. We go through all this training, but we're like, yeah, you know, I, I got it, but I, that's probably not something I have, I'm going to have to deal with. But, you know, 2003, we were tasked to provide close air support over downtown Baghdad. And, um, you know, when we got briefed that our eyes kind of opened a little bit just because we knew what the threat scheme was over Baghdad. But at the same time, you know, we're very passionate about supporting troops on the ground. And if the ground troops are going, then we're going. Uh, and so by then and by then at that stage in the conflict, um, we were just stacking up aircraft around Baghdad. And uh, that day, mission like every other day, right? We're going to go do close air support. We're, we fly up to Baghdad, we air refuel, and then we just wait for a tasking. And uh, unfortunately, the weather was terrible. We couldn't see the ground really anywhere. And then we got that call that said troops in contact, we're taking fire, we need immediate assistance. And it was like, everything changes for us. I mean, for us, it is immediately go time. Like we are going to do everything we can to get under the weather and go help the ground troops out, uh, which is exactly what we did. We found a hole in the clouds. We dove through um, my flight lead, you know, trying to go very quickly and move very quickly. And keep in mind, I'm like I'm a young wingman at the time. I'm, you know, fairly new to the airplane, thankfully flying with a very experienced flight lead. And he immediately just says, wedge, shoot, wedge shooters guns, which is our formation, tuck in tight. Uh, we're going guns, which is very accurate for us. We got about below the weather. And then we, you know, we still got to take some time to figure out what's going on. And we figure out that our ground troops are hunkered down on the west side of the Tigris River. Enemy Iraqi Republican Guard is over on the east side, firing RPGs uh, into our guys. And uh, we immediately just try to get in there as fast as we can. Um, I think for me, what was surreal, as soon as we got down below those clouds, we could see this firefight. Like that was eye-opening a little bit. Normally we're, we're a little bit higher than that. We don't always see that firefight, but we could see flashes and smoke and tracers. And it's kind of that surreal moment of like, this is exactly what we train for. 
Uh, my flight lead rolled in first and uh, was uh, shot the gun. Unfortunately, it wasn't effective, so I got aborted on my pass. We came around very quickly. Um, at this point, we can start to see like puffs of smoke in the air and bright flashes. So we're we know we're also getting shot at. Uh, so we want to do just a couple passes uh, and then climb up to reassess and see how things are going. Uh, coming in my last rocket pass, I remember the target, by the way, is underneath the North Baghdad Bridge, which is what we called it at the time, but the, the enemy troops that are underneath that bridge. So we're low, coming in right uh, to shoot rockets underneath the bridge, shoot the rockets, pull off target, just trying to climb up to get energy back. And that's when I just felt and heard the loud explosion at the back of the airplane. And I knew immediately I was hit. I mean, there was no doubt in my mind. It was like, I equate it to like, if you're in a car and you get rear-ended at high speed, like just a very kind of violent push me forward in the airplane. I remember looking down, I could see Baghdad below, I could see the Tigris River and uh, instinctively just kind of pulled back on the control stick and nothing happened. And that's when I knew things were not gonna go well. Um, probably about, I don't, it's hard to know, you know, at time felt like it slowed down, it but froze. I just remember trying yeah. to yeah. see, yeah, it, it's just like, what's happening? What's going on? I've got lights flashing, my whole caution panels lit up. Um, and I find out very quickly, I look at my hydraulic gauges and they were at zero. So thankfully flipped the emergency backup switch in the A-10, which, um, you know, thankful to be flying that airplane, flipped the switch and that airplane just slowly started to climb out and away from Baghdad and that's kind of the first moment I'm like, all right, I might actually survive this. And then I had to fly home, oh, you know, whole, whole nother hour of, of get out of Baghdad and fly home. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's truly amazing. Like, yeah, I mean, really the book. Hey, hey yeah, Chris, yeah. do we have the QR code for our book? So for those of you listening, you can get a much more detailed because we can't give her whole book away. You guys got to go buy it. Right. So like, go, go get it. Um, Buddy, you had a whole list of questions, so I don't want to. I got a whole list of questions. I've been so quiet. excited to have you on. He's been messaging so us like, I can't wait for this show. But before, but before you do, let me let me let, let me lead it up to it. Is what and real quick, says, Buddy has his pilot's license too, oh, or you was trying. I'm going to say, so Buddy's got a pilot himself. A little bit of a left, little bit left rudder. A little bit of y'all, right? Like, and we're uh, not like, gonna do the thing. We're not gonna do the thing where we go like, yeah, I flew an assessment once. We're basically the same. We're not. Yeah. We're not uh, close. You did land uh, though, buddy. You did no, land. No, we yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I want to brought up a good point. Lisa brought up a good point about you know us ground guys and that. Uh, I I remember talking to another pilot when I was stationed at Eglin when I was a ranger instructor in Florida. I was like, he was like. He's like, when you hear that in your voice, when you hear the ground guy in the voice, you know, like screaming for you, like, hey, where to, like, hey, we, I, I don't give a shit if it's danger close. Like, like, do not care. Like, whatever. Like, and I thankfully, I remember when we had an army uh, rotary aircraft help us out once, but I remember in Afghanistan where we did get pinned down, but we had, like you talked about, the stacks. You know, and it was like as soon as that call from the JTAC came down, right, of where the enemy was, it was like all of a sudden, hey, you guys can get up and move now. It's like, oh, okay, like that's great, <laughs> so that's awesome. But yeah, you guys truly are, you know, angels to us on the ground, angels from buddy. above, man. Yeah, yeah, and 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 and, <laughs> yeah. and buddy, buddy has uh, a lot more experience out of all of us in this because he was doing the whole special ops the whole time. But uh, buddy, ask some questions, man. Okay, so. 
I, I am I am not gonna lie. I'm a I'm a pilot groupie anyway. Like the yeah, the uh, at one point when uh, when I was in selection, we had a uh, F A eighteen pilot that was coming through selection because he had he just he had gotten out of the navy. Like we'd just sit down and listen to him. But anybody that like tells gravity to go fuck themselves for a little bit while they do their job, it's like <laughs> it's pretty cool. Anyway, and we all we. It, to be honest, everybody sees the pilots flying above us when we're like cold and wet and miserable. And we're like, man, I really picked the wrong job. They get, I bet they get coffee at the end of this. I bet they're going back and just chilling out, getting their crew rest. Like, anyway, um, so first question is uh, when uh, – so when you got hit and like I was showing my uh, my son the, uh, the video that had like the aftermath of your, of your aircraft – um, and you know, the back is hit the side. It's got a bunch of shrapnel in it. Like your, uh, your wingman could see it. Did your wingman tell you how bad it was? Or did he like, did he just, did he do the thing where he was like, no, you, you're good. It's fine. What are you doing? Just fly. You're fine. You're not gonna it die. was somewhere in the middle. Uh, he, I couldn't see any of the damage. It was all the back of the airplane. Um, we do have mirrors in the cockpit uh, to so we can look behind us, but I couldn't see any of the damage. So he gave me the basic description. He said, you got hundreds of holes in the fuselage and tail and then a hole about the size of a football in that back horizontal stabilizer. So already I was like, mm, that doesn't sound very good. But uh, immediately, like, I just... I, it, I could tell there was a few more things going on because he said, hey, he kept asking me about my number two engine and I kept thinking my engine's fine, right? I have a hydraulics problem. Well, after I landed, I saw all the shrapnel damage to the engine that, you know, thankfully the engine and the A-10 just kept working. Like it chewed up that shrapnel and then spit it out. Uh, there were pieces of my airplane flying off as we made our way back home. Uh, he didn't tell me about that. So, you know, there was kind of this middle ground. He told me a little bit enough to help me understand the damage to make a decision about whether I was going to land or eject. But uh, he didn't tell me everything. That's for sure. So uh, next question. <laughs> why, why are you so against being airborne? Um, like that you wouldn't eject out of a, an airplane oh. that was. You could have had a combat okay. jump. You could have got. Yeah. A jump out That's of That's a good point. I never the running joke in the army, it, when you tell people that you like you're airborne, it's like, oh, why would you jump out of a perfect good airplane? And we're like, well, it's an Air Force airplane, which for us is funny because it's like making fun of the Air Force a little bit, but you legitimately did not have a perfectly good airplane. You no, probably, I know. You, you I could have done it. Said anything if you'd have just been like, you know what, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna just go. Yeah, what? I mean, so I, you know, that's a I, great point. Buddy. It was. It's not a fear of of, of parachuting or jumping because I I did my five free fall jumps, so you know I got that down. Uh, not doesn't quite compare, but at least I, I had that experience of doing that. You know, there's something about being in that nice, cozy, warm titanium bathtub in the a10 so we have titanium that surrounds us it's like <laughs> it's like this uh you know this comfort zone of like this feels pretty good in here why would i eject out of this um you know i the other the the caveat here for me is that um based on my weight i had to sign a waiver just to make me aware that if i ejected from the aircraft there would be an increased risk of flailing injuries so you know like that's on my mind that it's just um 
a lot of people, and I will tell you, there are plenty of people said that I never should have tried to land it, that I should have just ejected, given it back to the taxpayers, as they say, get rescued, you know, by our rescue crews who, th you know, thankfully were there and ready to go. Um, but I really, it was more of a gut decision is what it came down to. I flew the airplane for an hour. I felt very comfortable with the way it was flying. I did a controllability check. We slow down. We make sure at that the speed where we're going to land at, it's still controllable. It was completely controllable. I felt very comfortable with it. And I knew the A-10 has a zero-zero seat, meaning we could eject at zero feet, zero knots, and it still will be a safe ejection. So I felt like I had that last ditch if I needed to all the way to landing. So now without going into details in the book, you specifically like described that, but the reason why you didn't eject into that area, you know, like, let's oh. be real. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Let, if we go back to that moment, <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. I, I mean, ejecting over downtown Baghdad would have been bad Probably for bad all idea. Of the reasons. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and, and that's I mean, a lot that to deal with at that point, and, you know. Yeah, and, and you know, we were talking about it earlier, and you were talking about uh, you know, we mentioned the uh, the sound that the 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 A10 the gun makes when it goes off is 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 a, a pretty good sound, right? But um, you. Know, and this is uh, i don't care if it sounds bad or not the uh, as a as a person on the ground there is a a definite difference when you hear a female voice over the 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 microphone there is a calming effect to that that i don't care if you think it's misogynist or sexist or whatever it's you know that like guys I'm coming to take care of you Exactly, and, and no shit. That is what well, it is. I had this it's exact like, same experience. Like, I had this exact same experience. When, when, when there is, when there is a female <laughs> voice over the intercom, that or or the microphone that is like calm, and it's like, yeah, we're we're coming in, we're doing whatever. Like things can be real bad on the ground, but that voice, for some reason, like there's a reason that Siri is not a dude going, "Where do you want to go." You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> thing. like it's, you know, like, yeah. it, it's. No, I, I'll, I will take that as a compliment. Yeah, I, mean, well, it's, it's, I don't remember. You don't, her we don't use. Time, we we don't use tomorrow, yeah. You don't. You don't ask Alex questions. You ask Alexa uh, or Alexa. You know what I mean? Alexa, but, yeah, yeah. But at the end of the day, when you're getting shot at, and when you need, it's not like we always have fixed wing support. It has to be going pretty bad to get fixed wing support. Um. So when it's going real bad, and then. You, know, you hear somebody that you know has a calming voice it it changes the situation psychologically in a way that i don't know that you guys can can really register it it's a it's it's legitimately a game changer ps the firefight that you were supporting i'm 98 percent positive I had a platoon sergeant that was in that firefight or was at least on that side of the Tigris River. And I'll tell you, you could have waited a little bit. You could have just, <laughs> he's kind of a dick. I'm just going to say, he's oh, not. Man. Sometimes. Ouch. Just welcome to, hey, welcome to Grub. Well, welcome to Grub. It was, it was, yeah. uh, it was, it was actually uh, old, uh, uh, a guy named Stein, and he was awesome. But he, he, did, he did make people cry sometimes. Um, uh, the, uh, but you know, I know that you've talked about that day, um, that incident like over and over and over again. And I know that most of us have been in situations where something like an incident happened 
like like getting hit in your aircraft or uh, you know getting into a firefight or whatever and everybody asks you about that that moment in time right and that moment in time I don't know if it's the same for you in the cockpit as it is for a lot of other people. Like it for, I know for me when firefights happen, everything becomes more calm because I become more task oriented and there are things that I know I have to do. I'm not worried about all the other things. I'm worried about this thing, then this thing, then this thing. And it helps to get through that little time. So when they're like, Oh, what were you thinking? I wasn't thinking anything. I was thinking about, doing what I was supposed to be, what I was trained to do. My question is two or three days later, when you're in your poncho hut or in your barracks room and, you know, killer chick is, is not there, but Kim is getting ready to try to go to sleep. Like, how did you deal with what happened to you? Uh, it happened that night for me, like it was super adrenaline high, I would say after landing, you know, it's kind of just the reality of looking at the jet going, you know, almost in shock of like that happened. And like, I was able to get it back safely. And then, you know, we went through a lot of Intel debriefs a lot, you know, talking to a lot of people. And, um, we, that night went back to the room and, uh, was scheduled to be on combat search and rescue alert, uh, the next day. And so I was in crew rest and went back to my room. And thankfully, someone had given me the, the advice to write a journal, um, which was not something that I was used to doing, but write a journal, you know, while I deployed. And so I had, you know, this the green books that we all get issued, the notebooks and uh, leadership. I books, just, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just I wrote down everything from that mission and it just kind of let it all out. Um, and yeah, I mean, it was just this like, relief of surviving, I guess, of like knowing that I had done something really hard that I never thought that I would ever have to do. Um, and then trying to pull myself together because I knew that tomorrow was another day and I needed to get back in the cockpit. There were, you know, we needed every pilot that we could get because we were, there was such a need for A-10s over Baghdad. So it was just like, to be honest, I compartmentalized it. I tucked it away. And I know that is not always a healthy thing to do. But in that moment and well, at that time, that's that is what exactly do, what I did. That's, yeah, yeah, but that's I what do. everyone and exactly you have to. You and, do I, it. and I knew that at some point I was going to have to unpack that and open it back up. Mm -hmm. uh, and that that didn't happen until I got home from the deployment. Mm -hmm. But uh, getting back in the air was probably the best thing for me. I was on CSAR alert the next day, which honestly, I think my... Leadership probably did it intentionally because normally we don't get launched. You know, we sit in the our alert chat next to the runway. We, you know, we play video games, watch movies, read, whatever, sleep. And then um, the alarm sounded, not a drill. A-10 pilot had been shot down in Baghdad. Following, so I you know, ran out to the jet, launch, don't yeah. even think about it. Yeah. It's the best way I can get back in the air for sure. And there's, a, you know, there's another part of the story that I don't know, I, Dave and Nick and, and, Latha, I don't know if, if you realize, like, so you flew what's, what's, I guess you guys refer to it as manual revision on the way back. Reversion, yeah. Or, yeah, but okay, manual reversion. Uh, but Oh, yeah, that, the Cessna. Well, yeah, but, but the thing is, like, that had been done before, not successfully. Like, that's yeah, so what had been done three times time. before in Desert Storm. Mm -hmm. Um 
and I knew about these stories that because was great right, that you read the, that combat stories you're talking about in, the, in your list. Yeah, I mean, I knew about the it, stories. Yeah. I knew about the stories of the guys that came before me, and so I knew, I knew why. In one case, the pilot was killed. We knew exactly mm -hmm. what he did, and mm -hmm. you know, we we changed our procedures because of that. Another case, I knew, you know, some of the the systems that had failed, and I understood the systems that potentially could have failed on my jet. So I was much more prepared. Uh, but there was one guy, uh, one pilot who was able to land it during Desert Storm safely, very similar damage to mine. Uh, so there was one successful landing before mine. So I knew, you know, I knew, I knew there was a chance. Um, you but, made it, uh, it was, though. That's. Uh, <laughs> yeah. 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 So before that, I mean, it was a lot to do with mentally just knowing all that and then just pulling off what you pulled off, you know, oh. hats off. It's what it's a thing though. Like you never know what you're going to do in that moment. Or, you know, I, I think I had thought that if that had happened to me, I probably would have ejected. And it just in that moment of spending that an hour flying the airplane, you know, made the decision to try to land. But I think, you know, you just make the best decision with the information that you have. And you kind of, you, you know, at some point you just got to make the decision. You're not going to have perfect information. I didn't know exactly what was going to happen, but I made yep. the best decision I could. Um, and uh, thankfully, it turned out okay. And before I jump on this, uh, cheers to that. Hey, can we all yeah. cheers to that? Can yeah, we, we all cheers to that? that? You don't even have anything in your hand. According I know. I need a real drink. I got one hey, more. Let, let, no, no. We'll get back to you. I'm going to jump on it real quick. I want to give Leaf the shot. Go take care of your boy. Go. See, it's okay on a dumpster fire. You can just leave. It doesn't matter. So, yeah. Oh, okay. I was like, what's going on? And I, I don't, we, we took over for a second there, but uh, we get it. We got, we're really excited. So, yeah. No, that's all good. Um, So what made you want to write the book and then go out and do like speaking and all that? You know, the book was an interesting thing. I had not planned to be an author. I didn't plan to write a book. Um, And as I was, I taught at the Air Force Academy the last couple of years I was there and one of the other instructors uh, who was former uh, army uh, sat in on my class and he's like, you know, Kim, you've got some pretty good stories and it's, they're worth sharing with people. And I was like, yeah, what do you mean? He's like, no, uh, you need to write a book. And I was, I kind of laughed him off. Like I'm not writing a book. I'm not an author. And he said, no, I'll take your first chapter. Uh, and uh, in December with the, with the cadets are gone over the, the holidays. So I just started writing. Um, I didn't really have a plan initially, but um, just started writing, got the stories out there and then figured out kind of the way I wanted to go. But I, I, I often joke that I would write it, but I wouldn't have the courage to publish it. Cause it was, you know, it's this idea of putting yourself out there. But what I realized is going back to all the stories that those, you know, the guys that had come before me that had flown, there was a, a book called Warthog. And that's where I learned a lot about those stories. And I thought, you know, we almost, I think, have a responsibility to share some of the things that we learned with the next generation and we have, you know, that, so that they can learn from them too. So that really was what kind of gave me that additional encouragement and push to actually write the book and publish it. I think it's really cool. I'm proud of you. <laughs> Thanks. It's, uh, you know, you never, you, you kind of like write the book and yeah. you never know what's going to happen if, and it's going to connect yeah, with people or no. people are going to like it. And it's been really rewarding just across the board, not just military, but, um, you know, just a medical healthcare company reached out the other day and they're using the book as their leadership development, uh, program. And it's just, that's, that's the kind of stuff that is exciting to see. That is so awesome. And did you run into any of like the good old boy network? I call it like when you're a female, sometimes like 
stuff um, happens. I ran into that a lot. I mean, I she. I, I read that portion of the book. You ran into that yeah. when you were just trying out to be a pilot, right? Because there was yeah. what? Yeah. How many at that point? How no, many I mean, female uh, pilots? You, know, you noticed the male like pilot didn't. Yeah, 30, it. right? 30, right? No, no. 30 out of Pretty 3, significant 000, part yeah. of the book. Yes, exactly. That's, yeah. that's huge. Yeah, I mean, I did. And, you know, I think in... Was it always positive? No. Yeah. There were certainly people that had their views on women right. pilots. And um, I just went into it with the idea that like, I'm going to prove myself. I'm going to yeah. be credible. I'm going to be capable. And the rest doesn't matter. Yeah. And truly that's what happened. I mean, the guys in my squadron, like today, they are my brothers. Like they would do anything for me. I would do anything for wow. them. Like it truly was like, I felt very welcomed in my unit for sure. I mean, were there naysayers? Were there people out there? Are there still people out there that believe that women don't belong? Sure. But whatever, because we've proved ourselves in combat. So I, yeah. I don't really Damn care right. anymore. Damn right. Exactly. Once you show them, they are, have more respect. Like, oh, oh. Do you think they, that that was part about. of the reason you didn't eject? Is no, that, that didn't weigh into my mind at no, all. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm ejecting over Baghdad? Like, no, no, no. Like, I think that in itself would have been like, like was was, was so any like of at the, all like at course. all ejecting like if I eject yeah I'm like even get... before when you knew that like that you're the the odds because before you landed that the odds of you landing it weren't great you know what I mean yeah like they they weren't awesome. yeah like, they, but they were better than ejecting over Baghdad a little bit yeah. of it like some some machismo like I'm gonna land this plane like no. Not at all. I would say not at all because that would have been stupid. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Pretty yeah. dangerous. Yeah, a lot of things are stupid, but the three, at least three of us, have done a lot of really stupid things. Oh yeah. Well, I've, I've done some stupid things, but in yeah. this case, I um, I solely went on how I felt based on how the airplane was flying. You made yeah. an informed decision. Mm. Yep. Not as cool. So I, I I'll give a good example of stupid. <laughs> all right, that I was on my on my thought. So I. I jumped out of a perfectly good C-130, right? And I was the jump master, so I was the last one out, right? And I and I go out, and I am, like, falling very fast, right? And I hit my four-second count, and I was like, uh-oh. Like, you know, I'm like, I need to pull my reserve. However, comma, at the Ranger camp, you had to pay $50 bar tab if you pulled your reserve, right? So, so I, I looked up, and I was like, I got about two seconds to figure this out, right? And it's like... And, and right before it popped and I hit and I, I was I was not feeling good. And like I had a bunch of people running over to me like, are you OK? I'm like, I'm fine. You ain't getting no free drinks on me. That's for sure. <laughs> so, so like I said, there is dumb. There is dumb. That, that's what Buddy was kind of talking about. So, yeah, I, I'm glad you put it that way. You could be stupid, but she's not, Buddy. She's an aviator. I mean, yeah. we've like I said, how many of us have dropped out of a How many of us have uh, have, have seen like a. An IED on the side of the road and been like, "Well, I'm just gonna go check it out real quick." Like, <laughs> Maybe it's not real. The Iraqis did. It is going to be right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, what are you doing? So, um, Lisa, you got any more? No, I'm good. Oh, awesome! Mm -hmm. uh, I didn't, I, like I said, I didn't want to uh, take any more of your thunder away. Uh, what I wanted to ask you, because Buddy was leading into it, and I thought that would be a good follow up was. Uh, if you got some time, because we could go as long as as you got. Um, those of you watching, go buy the book. That QR code right there. Look at it. All right, scan it. A few of you already have. All right, scan it. Go buy it. All right, you're gonna love it. Um, with with you know the stories that you shared, and we asked this to about to a lot of our authors uh, that come on the show. Is 
what did you feel as you were writing it? And did you, is there a sense of like relief that you got it out on paper to where, you know, you're helping people because we know we're helping people. We know this show is helping people. We know there's people watching it every week. There's somebody watching it where it helps. How was that? How did that help you uh, with whatever demons you were dealing with or, you know, like like Buddy was saying, like where, when did you finally realize what you had done? Did, did anything come out as as you were writing it? Yeah, you know, I I did a lot I did a lot of research as I was writing it and kind of reliving old things and pulling things up and what I um I watched the entire video again, um, and I hadn't done that in twenty years and like uh, it brought me right back. I mean, it definitely did, and it's you know it's that. The, I mean, I could feel like my heart racing. So, I mean, I think in some ways it's good because it allowed me to write the book in a very honest and realistic way and know kind of what I was feeling in the moment. Um, I will tell you, you know, speaking about it now has been probably even more so, you know, standing in front, front of a crowd and reliving it. There was a period of time where I, I would tell the story and I was almost detached from it. And I realized that wasn't serving anybody's interest well. You know, if I can relive it and let people experience with me, because I want them to, to know all the lessons that I learned. And that's really the focus is like, yes, this thing happened and it was terrifying at the time. Um, but I came out stronger on the other side. You know, I'm a better person because of it. And, you know, it happened very early in my career, had a significant impact on my career and the way that I, I flew, the way that I lead. Uh, and so that's what I want to share with people. And I feel like now I relive it every time I tell it. Like I can see it. I can hear it. Like it's just... I can picture it all very vividly. The other positive side of this, I think, is that has allowed me to connect with some people that I hadn't connected with in a long time. Um, I'm very close to my flight lead who um, I flew with on that mission. I have talked to the battalion air liaison officer that was on the ground that day. Um, I have actually connected with some of the other ground troops that were on the ground that day. And just, you know, knowing that we made a difference and we made an impact and then just being able to share that with others. I think that to me is really the important piece. And I did make a commitment on the way back um, flying, whether this is the right thing to do or not, I did it. But I was like, okay, if I can just land this airplane safely, I will tell the story as many times as people ask. So there you have it. You know, I just Damn. feel like, all right, I made it. I lived. Now I have uh, not a debt to pay, but like a responsibility to share with others and, and to help others. Um, and so that's kind of where I'm at now with this next chapter of my life. So, oh, yeah, we'll, so you we'll brought in, buddy. Yeah. Buddy, well, been, you, buddy, 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 let you choose what you did like he you know it, how did that impact you later on when you became a leader when you became a flight lead when you became all of the things that you ended up became how, becoming how did that impact how you led um i think it was huge he trusted me he trusted my training he trusted my expertise i one of the things that i watched afterwards was a video with him with like i don't know 2020 or some one of those shows back in the day. And he was like, someone asked, you know, why he let me land the airplane. And he was like, she's a good pilot. You know, she's trained for this. She's ready for this. 
it was just like that trust and belief in me um, and, and helping me have the confidence to do it too. And so I think from like a leadership perspective, I realized how important it is like, you know, we have a responsibility as leaders to make sure that our team has the training and the resource and all, all of those things. But then at some point, like you got to trust them to go do their jobs and do it well um, and empower them to do that. So I think that was one thing that was really, that hit home for me with him is how much he believed in me and trusted me, um, you know, and had my back, right? Like he had my back no matter what. And I think that's the thing, like, you know, it would have been a pretty big hit if uh, things had not gone well, I mean, on him and, but he trusted me and let me do it. Cause he believed in me. That's awesome. Yeah. That's for, yeah. For those, for those, <laughs> but real quick, uh, yeah, let, yeah. let me, for the, the leadership part of the mm -hmm. book, cause uh, Kim had said that, you know, that she, people are using this. Um, as, as I was reading it, I, I was thinking about my own transition out of the military and I wanted a job with not a lot of responsibility. I was like, you know what? I just want to kind of go be uh you know, start at the beginning. I'll coast it, coast it. I'll coast yeah, just, it. just, 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 <laughs> just, you know, hang out. But as soon as you get into that corporate world, it's like, it's like, like, are you guys seriously upset about this? Like, are, are, are you guys seriously losing your shit over this? Like, can we not just break this down and maybe find out six or seven things that we can do different next time? Try it out, figure it out. You know, as you say in the book, fail forward. Um, you know, like, 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 can we not just, you know, it's okay that that happened? I mean, did anybody die? That kind of stuff. So what, obviously you had a leadership connotation on it. Uh, and I'm glad that there's a company that's using it for leadership. Explain how how this is a leadership book. And for those of you watching it, go buy it, that QR code right there. All right. So like, like so is, is, it, is it a leadership for dummies or is it more complex? No, I think it's, to me, I think it's uh, straightforward. And some I read the reviews on Amazon as well. Um, but I, the intent was to, sometimes leadership, just leadership books in general, that, you know, I've read a few, uh, and sometimes they can be kind of boring. So my intent was to share stories and draw the lessons through the stories and then summarize it at the end and like a, a paragraph of like hard hitting points. Like I try to weave it through the stories, but if you missed it or if you want it in a summary format, here it is at the end. And it's not a prescription. Like this is not the only way or the right way. This is just kind of what's worked. And that's why I call them considerations for leaders. I just, it's something for people to think about. Um, and you touched on it a little bit there. There's so much that we learned in the military and that we did that I think we often take for granted, like everybody does this or everybody should know this, or it's not that important. And the reality is, you know, I one of the things that I've done now in my um, retired life is I'm on the board uh, for the Special Operators Transition Foundation. And I watch our special operators and I know the amazing things that they have done, like above and beyond. And yet they sell themselves short and they don't think that what they've done matters or makes a difference in, in the corporate world. And the yeah, truth is, it does. there's so many things that apply and so many lessons, whether it's priority, prioritization, staying calm under pressure, like keeping teams together, solving problems, whatever it is that applies outside of the military as well. And so that was my goal was to take some 
lessons and maybe a unique perspective from a, an A-10 pilot and share those lessons with others, whether it's military members or uh, out in the civilian world, you know, between businesses and corporations and, you know, all across different scenarios. Um, I think the leadership is leadership and teamwork is teamwork. Right. Yeah. Well done. Hey, buddy, what do you got? Well, I mean, to what to what Kim just said, to me, as, as somebody who's uh, getting a, 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 a graduate's degree in leadership, He's it seems spot. like I hate reading leadership books. Um, and the I reason think- I hate reading leadership books is because it seems like leadership books are written by people that naturally are leaders. Like they, if they just have like they understand empathy, they understand how treating people, how you want to be treated, how trusting people to do their job are just that's just who they are or trying to explain it to people that don't get that. Um, so when they're not written in story format, like Kim's book is written, it's very like you should use the Eisenhower matrix in order to like, to be able to, what, what the the Briggs, the Briggs, the Briggs, what is that? The Briggs, yeah, it's it's just like, like you're reading it and the whole time you're reading it, you're just like, good God, it's just decision-making. Um, like I, it, uh, like, I think that you're, you most of those would be well served by buying the book and just using the stories and the influences of, of people that like, and, you know, again, just like we talked about um, Kim's, uh, you know, flight lead, you know, the, the story of him allowing her to make the choice and then yeah. how that, you know, kind of like the, 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 the Mothman prophecy, like, you know, you know, the, the, the wings of a butterfly, you know, the, the wake that they make continues to other things. Like, so he let her make that decision and then she made other people let, or let other people make those decisions and then they make more. So it, you know, it just builds and builds and builds on itself. Um, it, you know, the, uh, the entire story, like in, to be fair, like I knew about uh, Kim's story well before, like, we got the book and like he was, you know, coming on the show. Uh, like, and I mean, it wasn't, it was social media. I, I, I found out about you on TikTok. not a huge deal, <laughs> but, uh, but you know, the, but the, the fact is there's, there's so much that we can't cover in an hour, hour and 30 minute, two hour show that made that probably what three hours of your life. So extraordinary um you know from all of the training you did prior to it the rehearsals that you did the fact that you that you 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 tra- uh, you practice um manual um revision like not revision reversion yep it's a crazy prior part to, for me like just to understand all that what you yeah, did there prior that, to yeah <laughs> prior to doing it you know all of yeah. those things added up like they culminated in you know, people, people, you know, call it luck. They call it whatever. It's all preparation for a, a, a thing that might happen in the future. And they, at some points they just kind of meet. I think that, you know, that's all, you know, your story is so uh, extraordinary in the fact that like you can talk about it in so many different ways for so long 
that we can't really do it justice. And and to be honest, the only way you can do it justice is to read the book and then read it and reread chapters to figure out. Buddy, what do you, you have a washing machine chapter. going in the background? No, I have a, a kid eating beef oh. jerky while he watches oh. the Alabama game. That's what I got. Yeah, but men in this house, we just eat beef jerky and drink bourbon. That's it. Yeah. You know, yeah. there's a Christmas parade outside. Do you know the difference between ordinary and extraordinary is? Uh, extra. It's a that little, little bit extra. extra. Yeah, a little, 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 yeah. little movie waiting there. Yeah. That's that a, I had a company that, commander so. once that used to tell me that water boils at like 360 degrees. You know what 359 degrees is? Not boiling water. Okay. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> anyway. But, uh, yeah. So, did you have a question, or was that just that we were just going to? Yeah, buddy. Jim, no, that's all. Yeah. That's all the questions I got. I can't. Well, oh, if I ask all questions, it's going to get. Like, he was just waxing philosophical. I could, like, you know what? I'm going to tell you the uh, honest. Yes, answer. we do. I could I do have one more sit question. Just and just, listen, and just yeah. listen to uh, to to Kim talk about like flying airplanes for like the rest of the it's night. That's badass. Yeah, pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah, Dave, before you go to that, but so Buddy actually hit the point that I was asking about with the leadership book uh, and getting your thoughts on it as as we've we've done this with veteran trash talk to where and just like the Native Americans did and other, you know, other, you know, civilizations have done is, is you know, tell stories, tell stories so that we can learn and, you know, draw pictures, you know, do like, again, somebody might not know what what it means that you were hit by a surface to air missile, but if they see it, right, if they see the picture of it, then, okay, oh, but what does that mean? And then when we bring up the big words like reverse, you know, transgoogulator, you know, put the stick <laughs> over there and we flip around. Um, but what he did say was what I want people who are in like either leadership classes that are watching or, you know, here, listen, remember we do have a podcast. So, when you're, uh, all, we get a lot of downloads on Spotify and Apple. So if you're listening, and again, I same thing when I when I went to the Yale, of the Southwest, which is UTEP for my master's in uh, you know in leadership, you're reading these books, and it's like I did that when I was in E5, like I did that when I was in E6, and going back to what Letha how when she started the show um, about we're not teaching kids to be decision makers. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's like we, we can have all these great ideas and these people first and airmen first and soldiers first and all these things. But it's like, are we teaching people to actually make a decision when it comes down that you have to do it? Or are you going to group think and are you just going to go with what everybody else did? All right. Kim, did you run into any blocks with that when you're writing the leadership part of the book? Was it like, how do I like I want to make sure that I'm not. I'm not saying me, but like you, or did you ever think like, I want to make sure that I'm not being like obvious. If that makes any sense. I think I just really tried to pull from my own stories as much as I could, you know, my own lessons. Um, I, you know, I obviously I share some other stories and other um, reference uh, some other leadership books that were really relevant to me that, that kind of hit home for me. Um, but I, I, actually at the kind of the very, very end, I just took all those lessons and put them all together. And I was like, does this even make sense? Like, is this like it coherent in a way that people will understand and that it will connect with them? And I really just tried to, you know, the one thing that they talk about is like, 
why would anybody want to read this? Like, that's the hard question that the publishers ask. What, what makes you different? What makes it unique? And so I just tried to look at it from that perspective of like, okay, what is the unique view that I bring? Um, you know, I, did I get it right throughout the, the whole book? I don't know. I mean, I, I did my best um, for sure, but I definitely ran into like the concern of like, I want this to be different. I want it to be unique. I, I don't want it to be like every other leadership book. I want it to be based on actual practice and, and um, not something that I had just thought of, but something that I had done and that I had experienced. Yeah, that, that that's exactly what I was trying to get at where we all think that, I, I shouldn't say we, but you know, most of us think that we have leadership down because like, we've been leaders, we've done that. Um, but the truth is, is we were leaders in our area. And, and, and again, what we do is a web. And if we do something that's good, then it might help somebody. And this is more of a message to those watching. Again, those on VTC official listening is your story might not matter for this week, next week, the week after that. But your story could really, really help our community. Your story could really, really help our brothers and sisters at some point in time. And what what Kim does in his book is phenomenal. And I will be honest, if Kim wants the honesty, you want the honesty, I will be honest that there are times where I was kind of like, okay, a little bit, a little bit, yeah, kind of obvious there. But again, we're, we're talking, we're not talking to people that did 20 years in the military and combat operations. All right. And there is a difference there. And buddy, will tell you that all, all day long. Like it, when you're making decisions where people's lives are on the line or you're making decisions like you talked about in your book to where I could get killed or, or people will get killed. Right. You know, are they the right people? Right. Am I, am I dropping the bombs on where I'm supposed to kill people or not? That's a big weight to carry. Right. So there's, there's a little bit of difference in that leadership style. So again, if you're watching and you, and you want to just have a great read about like experiences and how it built somebody up, right. To be the person that they are, this is the book to go buy. All right. And so uh, the QR code is right there. Just go do it. But Kim, uh, before we close this out, uh, I do have something to say after uh, you give uh, all the plugs of where you can get the book and all that great stuff. Um, before we do that, what was the, what was your most favorite thing in the Air Force? Other than flying the A-10 and shooting the gun? Uh, well, no, actually, no, 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 no. I, I, have, I have, actually have your answer. It's a loaded question. Was it the chocolate fountains and the lobster tails that we all get in all our uh, chow halls? <laughs> uh, I was mean, like chocolate fountains and lobster tails. Yeah, yeah. I, was. I don't like chocolate, so I'm like the only human being on earth that doesn't like chocolate. But um, <laughs> no, I I have to say, like my the reason I stayed, I never thought I would stay as long as I did. Right, like I went to the Air Force Academy because I wanted to become a fighter pilot. And then I like realized that it was so much more than that. Like I really found this passion of supporting our ground troops and like that mission of close air support. To me, there is nothing better than that. Like flying the A-10 in that community was just awesome. So, I mean, that's definitely my favorite thing. Um, I think just that community and 
there's nothing quite like flying the A-10, like going on a low level through the mountains, popping up through the terrain, you know, just to pop up to find the target, shoot the gun, pull off target, like, and get back down to a hundred feet. Like I miss that for sure. Are you sure it wasn't when you were at Fort Bragg? Oh, well, yeah. Pope Air Force Base for us, uh, favorite. I have to say, like, you're going to laugh. That's, but That had to have been now the it's, Now it's it, Army. Army, It right? was my, it was absolutely <laughs> one of Army my Airfield. best assignments. Uh, yeah. Not because it was Fayetteville, North Carolina, uh, but we d we deployed, I think, Vietnam. five times while we were there. And uh, there's something about, you know, doing the mission you were trained to do. Yeah, I was going to say it had to have been when you were flying the A-10s that had the, sh the shark teeth on them. You know, and I was like, yeah, like absolutely. When I, I read that, I was uh, I was in the airplane flying to Washington time. I was like, yeah, she was at she was at Fort Bragg. You know, so I was like, nice. Um, and once you fly with shark teeth, like the A10s, never look the same after that. You know, it's like something's missing. So yeah, definitely my favorite assignment. And, Fort Bragg. And then, I, I totally missed that. Like somewhere that was in the back of my mind. Oh man, <laughs> well it's for Liberty now, but uh, yeah. So but we're gonna call it Bragg even harder. So uh, no, we just we 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 loved it there, and uh, and like, the book's phenomenal read. So let's get to uh, Buddy for the AAR, and then I'll close this out. Uh, well, I mean, pretty easy one today. Let's see the uh, the COVID letter. If you if you received your COVID letter, you should write back to the DOD and let them know, like, hey, I got my letter, um, and how you how you actually feel about it. Um, but, uh, but I, like I said, you know, honestly, I think it's a lesson learned for leadership. Um, you know, and, and we can go back, we can, we can make a, a parallel with, uh, with Kim's book and, uh, you know, allowing, you know, trusting the, you know, trusting somebody to make their own decision, uh, and then, and then just standing behind them after they make it right, wrong or indifferent, um, and, and and maybe we can do more of that uh and, and at all levels whether it's you know lower higher middle all of them um <clears throat> and then we'll get into uh into kim the, the the killer chick campbell's book uh flying in the face of fear uh about her you know you know a lot about her career in uh the air force uh with with part of it being uh, a an extraordinary day uh, above Baghdad. Uh, but, you know, it, when you read the book, uh, there's there are so many lessons that you can draw from it, not just from Kim, but from from a lot of the people that are represented in the book. Uh, I think it's a it's a really good book. It's really well written. Um, it's not super duper like I'm from Alabama. I don't like a lot, a, lot, a lot of long books, a lot, a lot of big words and long books. Not a big fan of me. And they got big print. So as the older I get, I can read it. I like it. Um, but, you know, buy the book, uh, take a look at it. Uh, and, and to be honest, there's, there, there's so much about that story that you can dig into, whether it's the book, um, the, the story itself, the, the lead up to it. And, and there's, there are so many little bits of it. And then the last thing I will say is that I've worked with some pilots before. A-10 pilots are 100% my personal favorite pilots. They're like the pilots that take a lunchbox and put it in their, in their plane with them and like drink coffee and eat like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich while they're doing stuff. Like the other ones are, I mean – for lack of a better term, or fucking nerds. And they're just like, I'm a, I'm a fighter. 
nerd, and I nerd, I fly nerd, an, uh, an F twenty two. Like they're they're just geeks, really. They're geeks on it. But like A ten pilots, like they got mustaches or they're freaking just walking around like shooting can sized bullets at people. It's cool. They're they're cool. Anyway, um, so you know, buy the book, read it, uh, learn from it. Let uh, let some some younger people read it and learn from it, and you know, uh, yeah, just just read the book. That's all I got. Nice, thanks, buddy. And uh, we got uh, Shin Kalalin. Uh, saying I need to read this book. Yeah, Shin, just just click on the on the QR code and you can go buy it and you can read it. It's it's. Nice. I can read it to you if you want. Yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah, you don't want maybe that. we can have story time. It, it, on it is available. Oh, oh, introduction. You can actually listen to the book. It is also available in uh, in the Audible version. Uh, so if you want to listen to it instead, I'm a huge believer in that. I do a lot of driving, so I love to listen to books in the car past the time. Absolutely. Hey, Letha, before I close out and uh, I'll give you and uh, our guest the last word. So, Letha, again, if you don't know who VTT's voice of reason, Dave, <laughs> all right, VTT's voice of reason. All right. I, think he's I don't even know if you guys can still hear me. No, he's frozen. Dave's he's frozen. frozen. Yeah. Dave's frozen. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, uh, I didn't realize you, it was you, so I thought you were just being quiet for a little bit. If you have any <laughs> idea why our page has lasted as long as it has with our moderators is because of uh, Letha here, and she is the voice of reason. So uh, yeah, thanks for coming back on the air, Letha. We love you, and we wish you'd come back on more. But um, yeah, give a give a word of shout-out, and then uh, we'll give her a Kim, and then I'll close it up. I just want to say it was a pleasure meeting you. I came back on just for you. Because oh, I really <laughs> enjoyed your book. I enjoyed the story element because that's how I learned by reading stories, you know. And it wasn't a typical leadership book because I, I can't stand where they just go on and on about how good they are. You wrote it in like you in a more humble way, if that makes sense. And that's what I really, really resonated with me. So thank you. And I'm going to give it to my brother-in-law for his Christmas present because he loves reading military books. Well, that's awesome. I'm happy to, I'm happy to send you, I uh, can send signed versions or uh, book plates that you can, stickers that you can place in the front if you get it. Uh, oh yeah, that would be awesome. Just let, yeah. just let me know. Okay. All right. So last hey, word. I have before one I more question. Can you oh hear me? Oh my Nick? God. Yeah. What's up, Frozen okay. Dave? One more. <laughs> uh, last question, just to piss off buddy. UAP, UFO disclosure, David Grouch, who just went in front of Congress <laughs> to talk about the phenomena, and all these Air Force, Come Air Force on, pilots that are coming. No, all these Air Force pilots that are coming now and saying, hey, we, we've seen some stuff. What is your experience, Kim? Yes or no? And that's it. No, we fly too low. I've never seen yeah. anything okay. like that. Boom. Love it. Perfect. Perfect. They would see, Thank like, you. unidentified ground things. Oh. Like, you should just ask. You should ask her about the giant. That would be more. Well, you, buddy, will still not answer us on the Kandahar giant. So, yeah, we're so still the lying, Kandahar, right? the, the Kandahar, yeah, the Kandahar giant was killed by fifth group, right? But uh, <laughs> hey, I, I don't want to end on a so, uh, on a somber moment, but I, I got We have to do a cheers. Uh, we had a. Uh, a few months ago, we had Steve Sachs on the show, the old Dodger. However, his son was a Osprey pilot in the Marine Corps, and it went down, and we talked about it. And we just had another Osprey go down in Japan, and we had, uh, I believe it was eight AFSOC members on there. And so 
again, let I know this doesn't really matter on veteran trash talk right now. It might later, but let the let the investigation unfold. All right, let the families grieve, let them heal, and our hearts and our our our, our prayers are with their families one hundred percent. Love you guys and to your families. Uh, cheers! Like that's the only thing we can do. We like we just hope that you know something can come from that. That's not horrific but it, it right now it is and you know we hate to lose our guys our battle buddies uh in a, especially in a in a, a non-combat operation so uh yeah our thoughts and prayers are with you uh to that uh great show great guest kim can I, I, I i'm so happy to have you on here like i said i i stalked you on linkedin for like a year finally got you uh and if anybody knows anybody that has a story to share because it can help Right. Any story can help. And like Letha said to Kim about the book is Dave, you got some feedback coming on. Uh is that sometimes the stories help un- make people understand. And so phenomenal job. Please go get the book, Flying in the Face of Fear, Kim Casey Campbell. Go do it. Uh other than that, the plug, the shameless plug for our shirts. There's a QR code up there. All right, VTTGW. We have a lot of great shirts like Throat Punch Monday, uh, which Lutha used to be a host of. And uh, we have a bunch of other shirts on there. So go grab those. Those allow us to pay for the stuff that we do. Uh, and then another big shout out to our sponsors, Four Patriot, which you'll hear us in a second, uh, and 10th Mountain Whiskey. All right, they're the ones that give uh, Buddy the great uh, honesty caps that he has. However, these are two companies that have donated over – $500 million in the last 10 years to veteran organizations. All right. They are great companies, whether you like them or not. All right. They, they are giving money to veteran organizations and they're sponsoring us. We are a for-profit company. So they are giving 500 million to nonprofits. So please go check them out. Tent Mount Whiskey and then forpatriots.com. Use the code VTTGW and get a discount at it. Other than that, we will see you guys uh, next. Well, the mental health warriors off. Wait, you're gonna let Kim give the plug of where we can get her book. I, I thought I already did that. I didn't do that. No, yet. no, you didn't. Go ahead. No, Kim. You, didn't. you were supposed to give her the last word and you didn't. Boom. Oh, I said I gave her the last word before I did. Sorry. That, but yeah, sorry. I gotta be the voice of reason. Kim, Go no, ahead, you're Kim. The voice of reason. Hundred percent. Reasoning. Reasoning. Reason. Reasoning. <laughs> I'll be quick. Uh, no, I would just say to everyone if uh, that's listening, uh, if we didn't answer a question that you wanted to ask, please reach out. You can find me on social media. Um, if you go to my website, it has links to all the social media as well as links to where to find my book. The website's uh, kim-casey-campbell.com. Uh, and again, you can reach out via whatever social media channel you like. Uh, and the book is available on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, or any local bookseller can order it as well. So, but yeah, let me know what you think. I look forward to the feedback. Absolutely. And for having me. Yeah. And stick around uh, after the the cheesy ad afterwards, which is awesome. But um, because uh, I got to say that because they pay us, but it's a great ad and uh, we're going to do it. And uh, I got a Chuck Horner story for you. See if you ever, if you ever met. All him, right. So. All right. Yeah. Awesome. All right. See you guys later. Thanks for watching and listening, and now a word from our sponsor, Four Patriots. In a startling description, the UN food chief warned the world with the words, knocking on famine's door. He called what we're facing a perfect storm of a perfect storm. And he's not alone. 
Barron's published that a food shortage could be coming, even in the U.S. Farmers see it, too. John Boyd Jr., a fourth-generation farmer, told Fox News that we're going to see empty food shelves in the coming months. That's why getting survival food is more important than ever now. Create your own stockpile of the best-selling Four Patriots survival food kits. It's not ordinary food. We're talking good for 25 years super survival food. Hand-packed in a family-owned facility in the USA and giving jobs to over 200 Americans. They have different delicious breakfasts, lunches, dinners. You can make these meals in less than 20 minutes. Just add boiling water, simmer, and serve. And right now, for the next few days, listeners of the Veteran Trash Talk podcast will get 10% off their first order at 4 by using the code VTTGW. Go to 4 and use the code VTTGW to start your stockpile today.